goodness gracious. Hello. Hey, hi, hello hi there. there. It is another true crime podcast. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. This week's theme is uh, rage shootings in the workplace. Kind of branching off of my last case, the Xerox killer of Honolulu. This week, mine in particular will be pertaining to the phenomena and phrase going postal, otherwise known as the odd bunch of shootings that took place by postal service workers in America. The specific example I'm going to be going into is none other than Jennifer San Marco and her delusional and bizarre behaviors that led to a tragic and unnecessary end. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be... Sounds pretty freaking intense. <laughs> we all know the workplace. I, I have a workplace, so I know shit can go down. So that will be episode seven of another true crime podcast. And if you haven't already checked out my super creepy paranormal true crime story in episode six about Morgan's Corner in Hawaii, be sure to give that a listen next. Here we go. I am certainly excited so to be back. To be back. I don't know if you guys know this, but this is the fourth time we record this episode. Oh, yeah. We started recording it before Christmas. Still having technical woes. We recorded on Christmas Day. Yep. That was horrible, quality-wise. We recorded on <laughs> New Year's Day. <laughs> Which was what we thought was better quality-wise, but turned out to be worse. Finally, I think I solved the problem, and this might be the best sounding one yet. Fingers crossed. Hopefully. Should we like pause and listen back? We'll see. Yeah, no, I don't think we have to. No, I can hear it pretty well versus the last few times it's Doesn't been it scary. Sound just, oh God, it's, uh, it sounds right. It sounds right. It I think it's right. right. Okay. Oh my gosh. But yes, thank <sighs> you guys for coming back, sticking with us. We can say from here on out, we would probably be a lot more consistent than we have. Yeah. The past couple weeks. Goodness gracious me. But I. life does happen, so bear with us. It does. Anything exciting, scary, unusual happened to you recently? Well, hmm. Nothing really stands out. I mean, we've had a pretty fucky couple weeks, so having a low-key couple of days is perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to our Where Did We Go episode... You'll, You'll know get exactly what happened and why we were on that. Gone. But yeah, do you want to just get into it? Let's let's dive in. Yeah, let's go. Uh, the topic at hand, Jennifer San Marco. First off, before I even like really get into the whole case, can I just say that there are some similarities between the information I found with Byron, the Xerox killer, and Jennifer. Neither really have a lot of information as far as their families or their childhood posted up and available for people to look at. Just an observation that I found. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is because the families want to distance themselves from these events, which I personally would understand. However, I think that developmental patterns should be just as important with these kind of individuals as like serial killers who we have these like huge psychological evaluations and pretty much all of their lives being taken into account. Whereas these guys, it's like, no, 30 I years. agree with you 100%. Because at the end of the day, even if they didn't go around, like you said, like a serial killer, they still committed 
mass murder. Right. And that's still something that should be evaluated. I just, I find it so difficult to believe that there's no information about erratic like behavior from their childhood that's been recorded. But at the same time, I would understand why the families would completely close themselves off. Totally and like shut just off. shut off yeah. when that shit happens. It's like, nope, not going to deal with it. Not going to talk about it. I don't care. Not going to put my face out there yeah. and connect it to this, this horrific has event. To do with me now. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because <sighs> I can say I've noticed the same thing as well with a couple of other people that we've researched. It's just, yeah, that the, what's available and what's not and what's looked into is, like, to me, bizarre with this. Because something happened to you, man, when you were a kid. Right. To be that fucked. There was the build and snap. The build and snap. Regardless. And, maybe was, and generally speaking, it's not even their fault. Right. Regardless of what the snap looks like, there is a build to that snap. Of course. Yeah. Um, and actually, I do have a lot of problems with the research and the articles that I found with this case, and it will come back into play later in the episode. But here's what we do know. Jennifer San Marco is born December 6th, 1961. So one second. Yeah. 1961. Mm-hmm. I know it's not the case for everybody. Yeah. But the 60s, man, in America, <laughs> I've heard that it was fucked <sighs> in that time period. Yeah. Your parents would not give a crap about what you were doing. Children were left to raise themselves out gallivanting in the streets like a lot of the things that were considered normal that would oh be considered gosh. like neglect yes. now <laughs> oh, and the thing is that the media was also pretty prevalent at that time too because a lot of shit was going on in america in the 1960s yeah a lot. <laughs> oh yeah a lot of shit that i'm not even gonna get into but what i mean to say is at the end of the day i find that i hear a lot of hor- horrific childhood stories come from those times come come from times of children that were born in that era i mean anybody's capable of having a horrific childhood at any time but there is a large group of them that i hear about from that era yeah you're totally right people thought were okay and the fact that there is media and there is more documentation available for people at that time granted it is the 60s but things were a little bit easier also granted communicate If you hear moaning and groaning, Frida is, of course, in the studio with us. Yes. (laughs) She's trying to sleep and we're not letting her because we're recording. So so. she's just looking at us with one eye and like kind of snoring. Okay. So, yes. uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. That's a good that's a good point, though. I didn't really think about that. But again, going back to the fact that we don't have those records and it could have been totally fucked up. We just don't know. Uh, Next, she is noted as working for California and Santa Barbara's police department as a dispatcher in the mid 90s so she's around 35 by this point so next time we have her mapped so the only reason she's on the map is because she went to work for the city job basically they did like some like high school um like student accounts like of their of her peer Mm -hmm. when she was in high school yeah and they're like yeah she was normal she was nice like the normal crap you hear about people who do crazy stuff like nobody really pays attention i feel like right (laughs) i don't know yeah, because at this point, if she hasn't displayed any signs of aggression or any behaviors to be concerned, and she's 35. And again, like, behaviors up until that point, like, I don't know, some things are considered okay that aren't now. Yeah. Uh, as a part of the hiring requirements for that position, she does go through a psychological evaluation. Of and course. she passes. Which is beyond me, but... 
Well, and so there were no weapon training or carrying requirements of any kind. So this leads me to believe that maybe the psych eval could have been less involved, perhaps. I know, but even then, like, how the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't know. With a job like that, (laughs) the mental evaluation should be pretty in debt. You would Considering the high amount of stress that gets tied with that job. Yeah. And the area in which she worked in Santa Barbara, California, the people that would be calling in with their types of issues are going to be pretty intense. Right. You would think so. It's like a major city. It's a major city. And Jennifer San Marco, eventually she does leave this position after just a few months due to that. No surprise. Right. So it's not unusual because this position still to this day does have a high demand and is very frequent with its turnover rate. I've met one person in my life that that was a police dispatcher and they could just tell me horrible horrible stories well even just thinking to like the news stories like when you hear those flashes of snippets of conversations I think of myself like oh my gosh like or I I think to myself pardon me oh my gosh like if I were the person on the other phone Mm -hmm. like on the other line I'd be like I I would be of no use I'd be freaking out this lady she wanted to be a cop so she figured that she could work her way up yeah, basically but she was by like... by taking those calls and realizing like the situations that she would have to put herself in, she was thinking, fuck, if I can't even deal with it on the phone, I probably wouldn't be able to deal with it. In, in real person. life, in person. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she just stopped. So basically she finds another form of government employment with the California Galetta mail sorting plant okay. as a clerk. Okay. And there she sorted mail and packages in the Pretty late mindless. 90s, right? In the, like, late 90s into the early 2000s. That's what she does. And it's, you know, government job, good pay, gun insurance. And up until now, I haven't heard anything out of the ordinary from this lady. Right, you know. So you're just kind of like, mm, okay, all right. But this is where her mental instabilities are first recognized and recorded. So, At the mail plant? Yes. In this um, place of work, San Marcos, fellow coworkers report to management that she had a habit of talking to herself, but not the kind you might be used to hearing. What do you mean? It would be more argumentative to a point. And with herself? With herself. And it would be consistently loud and have um, like a racist undertone to it. Oh. Great, right? Like, Did she have maybe... Some people thought she had an imaginary friend is what they said. Okay. That was of color? Well, no, no, like that she was racist, like, like argumentatively with herself, like she was talking about conspiracies and um, her ideas and her beliefs, basically. At this point, I, as a person of color, would have probably been thoroughly concerned and talked to somebody about that. Well, and considering that she works in California, again, it's like a melting pot. Yeah. Being surrounded by people of many different ethnicities and cultures. Like, yeah, uh, like a lot of these people, although none of the comments had to do with them personally, like she didn't call anybody out by name. She but wasn't... she seems mentally stable enough to, th- to know that that's not okay. So, yeah, there's just like this little, it seems like a, uh, like a break in her personality almost to people. Mm-hmm. But again, this is part of the issue that I have with the explanation of it, but I'll get into that later. So people end up going to um, management and letting them know that it's making them uncomfortable, understandably. And, like, if I think about it in terms of what 
myself and my coworkers would do. Like, yeah, we'd all be lined up outside of HR. Like, what the fuck is this person doing here? They're making me uncomfortable. I don't want to work with them. For me, that's the biggest thing. It's not about the fact that you're making me uncomfortable. You're making the other people that I work with uncomfortable, and that's not okay. I could deal with the fact if somebody's making me feel uncomfortable, I'll brush them off. I'll tell them to fuck off or something. Right. But once you start interfering with other people... Which is, like, ridiculous in itself that you're like, oh, no, it's fine with me. But once you start making my workers uncomfortable, it's like, wait, 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 no. Because at that point, I think to me yeah. it's more of a, of, a val- of like, validation. Right. That it's not just me. Everybody's because fucking pissed. Because I always pissed. feel uncomfortable. Do you not understand right. this? Right. It's but when everybody anxiety. else is looking around like, uh, no, this isn't cool. I am always like, uncomfortable. Therefore, I assume that. It doesn't matter what situation you put me in. It's my natural response. And to other be uncomfortable. And respond that way. Fair enough. Yeah. So once other people are doing this, They're reciprocating. Thing, like, yes. <laughs> yes. We're, we're all uncomfortable. uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So basically that's what was happening. Okay. Um, in February of 2001, things start to escalate a little bit. Deputies have to be called into the Galetta plant because Jennifer decides to hide under one of the mail sorting machines and refuses to get out. Oh, shit. So she is she having like a mental break? She's like crouched point? underneath and her coworkers and management believe that she snapped. Yeah. Um, and thinking that they were against her somehow, like kind of that conspiracy so delusion. So she's just being a racist under the sorting machine? In this, yeah. In the scenario, I'm basically like she's basically just, just showing behavior of a delusional and racist person. Yeah. <clears throat> I have to assume right. that you have no information on her personal life or you would have given it to me already. She basically is noted not as having any significant others and she is also noted to be estranged from her family. They say that they didn't have any contact whatsoever with in a year prior of the incident that I'm about to get into. And it's odd and I get into that a little bit later too. And I think that probably also plays a a role into not knowing a lot about her because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people who can give you true accounts for who she really was. Aside from coworkers. Aside from coworkers, yeah. Getting back to that. So whatever the case may have been, the reason that caused her break, Sergeant Eric Rainey, being concerned for her safety as well as her coworkers, had her admitted to the Ventura Psychiatric Hospital in California. As one would do. I would hope. And had her evaluated there for a three-day assessment. Sorry, two hours. Right, you know. And somehow, during this time, she was not diagnosed as a danger to herself or others, and she was cleared and then released to yeah, go back to work. Yeah, because believe it or not, being a racist isn't illegal. Right. And just because you're a racist doesn't mean you're dangerous. <laughs> and people don't always put two and two together with the behaviors and that kind of standpoint, no. which is just part of my issue this whole time. disgusting and <sighs> intolerable but there's doesn't that, mean that you can get in trouble by the law for it. But there's that cocktail. Oh, yeah. That moment of mixing things together. Like, it's just... (sighs) All right. So upon her return, she was reported to be acting even more strange and volatile. Volatile? Her conversations or what arguments or racist conspiracy rants, whatever you want to call them, were louder and more severe than before her leave. Oh, great. Yeah. So instead of what her coworkers... Why would they even let her back to work? (laughs) I have no fucking clue. And before, her coworkers called it, like, jabbering. And at this point (laughs) now... It's still a jibber-jabber Jibber-jabber, racist rant. (laughs) But now she's screaming. She's not just, like, ranting. She's screaming. Oh, that's just Jenny over there. (laughs) Fucking screaming her ass off. That's just Jenny. He said, Marco, you know, 
<laughs> no biggie. She. Oh yeah, she does that. Yep. You yeah. Heard. Yep. Nope. Just don't pay any mind. <laughs> well, yep. no, they do pay mind. <laughs> Luckily, they do. So the repeated reports from her coworkers eventually led to San Marco Thank being you. granted early retirement. Thank you. Repeated reports from her coworker. No, but being granted early retirement from the U.S. Post Service. I can't believe they actually gave it to her. They psyched um psychological problems as the reasoning behind why they gave it to her. But if I were them, I would have fired her for racism in the workplace and suggested she get anger management therapy. And if anything, maybe I was thinking like they thought since she was unstable, it was best to try and separate on good terms for the safety of her coworkers. That was where I was going with this. Right. But But here's here's where I'm going. And I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go for it, girl. I'm going to agree with you. Do it. But why the fuck would you give her... Yes... I agreed on retirement because get her out of there. Yeah. But I do agree yeah. with you. You should have fired her for being a racist. But again, going back to the fact that it's not illegal to be a racist. Again. But at some workplaces, it is. Yeah, depending on if you're, ca- if you're causing like a hostile work if environment. If you work for an EEO, an right? equal opportunity employer. Which I do and I have. And I do. I always make sure I do. Yeah. Yeah. But what, <sighs> I, what I mean, what I, the point I wanted to get across is... If you're concerned that she's not stable enough to be fired, that's a concern. That means you probably... What are you concerned about? Mm. About retaliation? Yeah. Okay. What might that be? What, what would that look like? Why are you so concerned? Should you have this person looked into a little bit? Exactly. So basically, this is where my feelings came to a head with like research and the articles that I was looking at too, because I noticed that by this point, most of the information was focusing on Jennifer San Marco as a weak and unstable white female, and that a lot of her of behaviors... Course. Of I course. I didn't want to say that right now. Oh, I didn't want to get into the whole... No. She's a- I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up. She's a white lady, damn it. White lady. White lady to white lady. For real. She is always called out as weak as unstable and white. And a lot of her behaviors are explained with the sweeping term of mental illness, which I also am a total, like member of that mental illness crew but if you take Same here i mean i just had a bout about my anxiety issues, yeah but i just i don't think it's okay no and if you take into consideration the behavior that i've talked about and the behavior i'm gonna talk about it's really hard for me to say okay these journalists had all this information and they didn't call this point out as much as they should have so do you think information about her was pushed away maybe but again still to that point what the fuck journalists like you you could have dug a little bit i just think that if her family was estranged and she didn't really have too much of a personal life the fact that she made it for 35 years but they get information from the police and and she had multiple jobs mm. with credible sourcing places and, yeah, yeah it makes me think that she had to have been a pretty stable person leading up to or at least have been a very high-functioning, disturbed person. Correct. Yeah. That's a better way of putting it. So because at this point, things continue to escalate and behavior of Jennifer's actually spreads outside of the workplace and is like bleeding into the regular world. Okay. Her neighbor at the time in California was named Beverly Graham. And she reported to the landlord that San Marco would pace in front of the building and sometimes even in the hall out in front of her apartment. She would hear her rambling on about her racist, uh, pardon me, her racist opinions and ideas. And the landlord had <laughs> let Jennifer know about the complaint in hopes that she would stop. 
Did she tell her it was Bev? Yes. <gasps> Why would she tell her it I was have, Bev? Probably because they didn't realize the capacity, again, of the crazy that this woman had. Yeah. But what the f- why even risk that kind of a dispute like happening at all even like a little knock knock what the fuck yes say Bev. something see something say something but you kind of expect to be a little anonymous sometimes and i think that was a mistake on that landlord landlord's part definitely um but who would have ever thought right yeah so, again mean, cliche quote unquote if I were that landlord, I would blame myself, but I'm sure, like, in all, re- like, in retrospect, you can't. You can't blame that person. Anyway, eventually, San Marco decides, with her retirement money, to pick up and move to New Mexico in 2004. Uh, but sadly, she does not leave her unfortunate behaviors or ideals behind. She takes them with. Of New course. Mexico is not a place for a racist white lady. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's no. a very liberal state, too. And it's um, right next to, to Mexico. Mexico. Hi, Frida. Mexico. 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 Frida's Frida? flipping. Bobita. <laughs> oh, my God. You are a wiggly, wiggly cup. Wiggly worm. Okay. So there in her new home state, Jennifer picks up some new and distasteful hobbies. She creates and attempts to get official publication for her pet project that she dubs the Racist Press. Wait. What? The the Racist Press is the name of her newsletter that she um, put together. And basically, she outlines her beliefs on the son of Sam, the murderer named David Berkowitz, and how she thinks that he is tied to the KKK and the government. Wait. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> and this is all stuff that the police finds in later reports. So this is, again, the stuff where I'm like, Guys, you should have probably leaned on this angle a little heavier. It's like but loosely the, mentioned in one article. Here's the thing. I'm, I don't want to be saying that the cops should have done more because at this very point in time, she's also crossing state lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's doing weird shit in New Mexico. Things have happened in California. The people in New Mexico probably have no idea. They just assume she's this white lady who is just a little racist. Well, or I don't mean to say a little racist to make it sound light, but you know what I mean. Yeah. She's, she's a big racist. (laughs) (laughs) We're underlining that point (laughs) is what we're trying to do. So, and then she also, (laughs) well, hers anyway, and she also is covering just violence and racism in America overall. And it's basically jargon and nonsense and conspiracy theories and ramblings. Um, It's intense jabber. And again, just how this didn't become a huge part of the story then is beyond me still so this yeah Frida wiggle 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 (laughs) figure your life out Bob the door is open you have a bed in here you're not trapped no so so she brings this to a uh, publication office and the attendant named Sonia Salazar, a Hispanic lady by the name of by the, a Hispanic lady by the sounds of that name, probably, um, was at the office, and she was noted saying that uh, she and the title made me uncomfortable. I let her know that we would not authenticate her works. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, Sonia. <laughs> 
but after this, Jennifer visited the offices, sitting in the waiting room and making unnerving eye contact with the attendant. She was eventually with the same asked, lady that turned her away. Oh yeah, Sonia. She comes in and is just Sonia. like camped out in the waiting room, staring her down. Like, hey, Sonia, you didn't publicate, you didn't publish my works. You didn't authenticate oh, them. Oh my god, I mm. would make sure to walk to my car with a buddy. All the time. I would probably buddy system as well if I were Sonia. And so she ev- oh she gosh. eventually asked uh, Jennifer to leave, and they had someone help escort her off oh, the property. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then in a separate but also equally bizarre account, San Marco is also cited outside at one point by a gas station attendant in New Mexico, completely naked. Pacing and talking to herself outside of his um, gas station he owned, he attempts to get her off the property by shouting at her that he is going to call the cops. By the time the authorities do arrive, because he does call them, she is still on the property, but has managed to get fully clothed. That's absurd. They request that she leaves, and she cooperates. Weird little sprinklings of moments but again like if you were just staring at this officially reported that's the thing because when she went to go drop off the papers it was just this attendant that said no thank you ma'am go away and even when they escorted her out i bet she was just like the security of the building right that escorted her out the cops weren't really called but do you but why would you don't call the cops in a situation like that what what do you you don't call the cops (sighs) if somebody's being a racist you don't call the cops I know, Frida. Frida doesn't like racists. She, uh, no, nobody understandably likes racists so. other than maybe other racists. Shoot. On well, racist yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a country song, but like not. <laughs> I don't quite know how, what subject or what category of music. Anyway. Um, I just want to get across in this episode that racism is not cool, fucking nasty. Man. It's gross. Uh, it's nasty. So, known also... Uh, Jennifer San Marco was known to be seen praying on the side of the street quite frequently, which was bizarre in such hot weather where she would just be out there for long periods of time. And people, By who? who saw this? And she was just delirious, like passerbys. Yeah, like people in the certain area around where she lived were familiar with just seeing her out there. Again, bizarre behavior. But it's just, I can't, I can't help but keep thinking about the fact that all of this behavior is like undocumented. Yes, in a pattern, the way you're telling me. It was collected flag, later. Flag, 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 right. flag, flag. But <laughs> it's like a great song. <laughs> Again, you're you're hitting all these these Maybe jams. Maybe we can make a remix like uh, they do on YouTube. Absolutely, auto tune the shit. The YouTubes on the YouTubes. But yeah, I understand how difficult it would have been for the authorities to place all of her erratic behavior, considering the fact that. It's just random shit that she did, and you'd have to be there at the right moment to witness it. Exactly, exactly. So it's okay. also noted at this point, just to add to like the cherry again, cherry on top of the crazy Sunday, um, it's noted that at this point, San Marco pulls a 2007 Britney Spears and shaves her head. But she actually well, did it before Britney Spears did. Oh. So did she do it before? I don't know. She's Frida like the original. Frida doesn't agree. Frida's, Frida's like it Brit- was Britney. Britney is the originator of the Britney. I get it, Frida. I understand. It also confused me. I know. Wait, question. Uh-huh. And you may or may not be able to answer it because it's just me trying to 
put a creepy visual in my head. Uh-huh. Did she shave her head during the time that she was sitting in the lobby of oh, the newspaper? No. I wish. Thing. Like one day she showed up and had curly, because this lady has like a crazy curly perm, like 80s, 90s style perm. Yeah. And then one day she just shows up with a bald fucking head still staring at you. No, no. That happened um, chronologically. <laughs> With she just had her hair curly. <laughs> Sorry about it. It would have been so creepy. Um, anyway, beside the point, she also during this time acquires a nine millimeter Smith and Wesson pistol from an Ace Pawn Shop in Grant, New Mexico. So this nicely stacked block that I had is now very wobbly. That of which is Jennifer San Marcos because every time you tell me one of these things, I'm oh, just like shit. Your Jenga block again? Yeah, my Jenga block is getting wobbly. It's just like fuck. There's a lot of stuff happening and missing in and this individual's life, and nobody's paying attention to her. Yeah. So, but even in this case, San Marco did have to file a background check, and it also came back clear. Right, because what's in her background? Nothing. Nothing. Bizarre behavior noted, sure, but recorded, no. No. Just because you're a racist doesn't mean you can't buy a gun. Right. So <laughs> that is definitely a thing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point out, Carl. <laughs> oh, I'm just relishing in that right now. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, Frida. Frida is also enjoying your does statement. Does not like people with guns. Really, I love you. I want to give you attention, but I also want to record a podcast. Okay. Oh, after We're this leading up cl- to something. Fucked. Yeah. This clear background check comes back. She's got a gun. She's <sighs> been living in New Mexico. She's just been hanging out for a while. January 28th, Jennifer San Marco decides to leave from New Mexico and head to her old home back in California. Okay. That's about a day's drive. Takes her two days, actually. She takes her time. Gets there Monday evening, Frida. She gets there Monday evening, January 30th of 2006. And Jennifer San Marco arrives at her old condominium complex and sneaks in to her old neighbor, Beverly Graham's apartment, around 7.30. There, yeah, she's sneaking, and she finds and shoots Beverly, killing her at the age of 54. She is found by her boyfriend the next day, and he reports it to the authorities, and it is later tied to the events that transpire later that evening on the 30th. But when the police arrive, because of Bev, they don't associate, they don't put two and two at that moment. Because what are they to know who shot her at that moment? They have links, and I will get into that. No, but at that very instant. At that scene. Yes, they do oh, find shit. something that links her pretty quickly, like oh, almost immediately. Jenny. The bullet casings. Fuck. Yep. Idiot. Yeah. Okay. After those events transpire with Beverly, uh, Jennifer is not done. She gets into her car and she continues on to another destination, her old workplace, the Galetta sorting plant. Hmm. So upon her arrival at the plant, San Marco gets a hold of an employee leaving their uh, work day and headed to the car at gunpoint and she holds him in, in the parking lot. Oh she, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like a hostage? Well, just to get that ID badge, basically. Oh, okay. She obtains that and then she lets them go. Which I think is odd. But was that person white? They don't note that, but I wondered. <laughs> I was like, mm, 
ha, okay, Jen, you fucking bitch. So. <laughs> bet you they were. Bet you. So Jennifer then enters the plant and begins shooting her newly acquired pistol. She opens fire. Just like that? Just busts in, starts shooting. Guns are blazing? Opens fire. So witnesses say later that she was seen reloading at least one time. Others account that she reloaded multiple times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. But she has a handgun. She has a pistol. And she's also, I think, probably pretty inexperienced with this pistol. Because, again, it wasn't noted that she had any weapons training or anything like that. Mm -hmm. She just was like fucking willy-nilly building and snapping. Here's my question. Does she open fire randomly or is just selecting her targets opening fire? It was later noted that it was unclear if the people... I don't like how you're saying that. Yeah, no, I have... I don't like how I'm saying that. So it was unclear if the people who fell victim to San Marco at the Galetta plant were targeted for any reason. It is also, however, noted that none of her victims were white. Was it noted? To quote Postal Inspector Randy de Gasperin, de Gasperin. I don't know how to say that. That looks like something to me. I don't know what. It looks French. Um, she probably knew who she was shooting at, is what he said. She ended up getting, I believe, six in total, plus six Beverly. individuals at the plant? At the plant. Plus Beverly, that's Seven. seven. Um, and oh my gosh. Here it is again, though, that I have a problem with the way that the portrayal of this case and Jennifer is handled. Because to me, it is so clear that yes, she is a mentally unstable person. We've definitely gone over that. But it is also clear that she is a racist and she's full of dangerous possibilities. And that it is not brought up on or focused enough, as far as I'm concerned. And as far as like trying to create a preventative system, it's just not looked at closely enough. So yeah, sadly, six people fall victim to San Marco and that's at the plant. Her neighbor made seven and she turns the gun on herself after all is said and done and commits suicide there at the scene. When she ran out of bullets or saw that the police was coming well, or and then when the plant was called authorities. empty. Yeah. Did she say anything while this was happening? No. She just bust in, shot people. The victims of the shootings are, um, I've got all of them here. So we have Zay Fairchild, 37, Malika Higgins, 28, Nicole Grant, 42, Guadalupe Schwartz, 52, Dexter Shannon, 57, and Charlotte Colton, 44. The first couple of those were like my age. And so Charlotte Colton, she was kind of unique because she was actually taken from the scene by EMT to intensive care units, Uh but she died the next day. She still died. So. And she killed herself. And then she killed herself. So that was really the story of Jennifer San Marco Gung Postal. Uh, researching. Thank you for saving the taxpayers of California some money and not having to fucking go to trial for that fucking bullshit. But there's no justice for these lives that she killed. And there's there's nothing. There's just you leave these people heartbroken with no answers, basically. And the families. Because it doesn't sound like this this case was researched to the point that 
you have definitive reason as to why she killed these people. And all the interviews... Other than the fact that she was a fucking racist. Other than the fact that she was a fucking racist. And all the interviews with the families of the victims give such, like, lively and glowing reports of the victims that were killed. And it just makes me so, so frustrated and so angry and, like, furious. And actually, like, researching this, it was interesting, but it was so frustrating in the sense that, like... It happened so recently, and yet the way it was covered felt really old-fashioned, and it was crediting, again, much of San Marco's behavior to her fragility and not to, like, giving her credibility of being a shitty person. Yeah, I know. She was just a shitty person. So, yeah, maybe she should have gotten help. Maybe, like, if her family could have been more of an active part in Jennifer's life, there could have been people who witnessed those issues and, like, drew connections yeah. But at the same time, that raises the whole separate issue of like toxic family relationships and like how involved do you stay in someone's life if they're like legitimately fucking crazy and their life suck? Of course. And right? that posed the question that I asked you in one of the times that we recorded it. Do you think that her family should be held responsible or the family of any person that has some kind of mental illness should be held responsible to a certain extent when they're not in touch with this individual and they know that they're out there? Right. But regardless, the fact that America even has a term like coined for a certain type of shooting, mass shooting in a certain type of workplace to me, I think in itself is really telling. Postal. Yeah. And then again, also too the debate of do we handle these things as mass shootings or do we treat them as suicides or do we treat them as a weird combination of both? You have to, I think, look at it in multiple aspects. And one of them and being the suicide and the mass shooting because you have to understand what led this person to that point and what could we have done better yeah what could we have done to prevent this yes maybe should we go back and look at her mental evaluation and look at the questions that we asked and maybe see oh does she knowingly answer this question in this way or are there not questions in there that should be suitable to try to identify that type of behavior that's what i was thinking is gosh there has to be something that they were missing in those kind of evaluations and those different kinds of checks because it doesn't make sense to me that somebody with those kind of delirious behaviors was able to make their way through those. Also, to note, it was a post office. I have known a few people that worked in the post office. They do tell me it's really stressful. I've also read articles about the life of people who work in that mail sorting, mail postal environment. And it's hard work. It's hard work. And I think that's why also, too, they note that a lot of the times now the workplace shootings do happen because it's such a trigger for people in their status and their stance in America that it's become kind of a catalyst in itself, weirdly. I think it's scary that you can go to work and run into the possibility of something like this happening. Yeah, it's insane. It's crazy. So it's just interesting to look at those cases and to see maybe how things could be handled differently in the future. And I hope to see that those things are handled differently. Oh, I agree. And I, I also, also hope f- they don't happen in the future. <laughs> I also feel that they should have taken maybe a closer look at her on the mental illness side of things. Yeah. When she was admitted um, a couple times around or perhaps... Um, like you said, maybe they should have retired her on a certain condition that to make sure that she's stable. Or going to, to some sort of treatment afterwards to kind of phase her from yeah. 
the angry condition that they knew That's she was thing, in yeah. and releasing her back into society. Just like, here you go. Here's some money. Take care of yourself. Don't come back now, y- y'all. You hear kind of a moment. <laughs> it's like, okay, where's the accountability, though? And who do we give it to? Do we give it to her, even though she's unstable? I don't know. Yeah. Thoughts to ponder as we wait for episode eight of another true crime podcast. Yes, that's me. <laughs> do, 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 do. And Ooh, boop, boop, boop. great. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> shit. It happens. Fuck. In the air. Pew. <laughs> that's like your PowerPoint Sign presentation off. side effect. Yes. Pew. Um, special announcement alert. Pew pew. Oh pew, yeah. Pew pew. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about it too much. Okay, so. In light of recent events, we have talked about adding a segment to our podcast. Oh, that's right. In where we feature individuals that have done good in this fucked up world. We've got to point out the heroes, man. Because there are those people out there that have definitely helped you out in certain situations where you could have ended up dead or, <laughs> or, or at least, or you could have ended up off. in a pretty bad spot or yeah. even dead. Yeah. And specifically for us, that person would be John Smith. Let's give him that name. Or basically, yeah, like a John Doe, John Smith of types. Yeah. He is the gentleman that basically stood by me while I got into my car accident and dealt with the irate and hostile. I I was there too. (laughs) Didn't I say we? No, you said I. So the person that I wanted to feature in this episode, or not episode, the person I wanted to feature in this segment and see if it works is John Smith. I didn't want to say his real name just in case, but he was at the scene of the crime when we were in our car accident a couple of weeks ago. Basically, the gentleman that collided with me was very aggressive and hostile when he got out of his car. Belligerent, disheveled. I mean, he was pounding on his car, screaming, cursing, pacing, causing a scene, and it made me feel really uncomfortable and not safe. Yeah. But... As soon as he started behaving this way, there was a man in a truck having his lunch, eating his sandwich, and this is who John is. Mm -hmm. He got out of the car and kind of stepped next to me and looked at me like, dude, what's this guy's problem? What's going on with him? He's crazy. And I said, yeah. And he's like, I'm just going to hang out here until the cops are here. Did you call the cops? I I was on the phone with the cops while she was trying to get information. My calling the cops. Yeah. And so Jim was on the phone with the cops while this guy's causing a scene. Meanwhile, John stayed there the whole time and made sure that even though the guy was at one point coming towards me and Mm -hmm. he did have to exchange a little bit of information with me, he was still very, very close by in the event that he kind of flipped the switch. Um, Needless to say, it turned into a little bit of a hit and run because he drove away, which is why that is actually a crime scene. Right. So that turned into a little bit more than it needed to be. But again, he really made a situation that 
otherwise would have been very uncomfortable and really bad for me into a lot more manageable. Well, and he also helped when the and police I was more were calm. On, yeah, and he helped when police were on the scene because it was a little true. bit of like a backup to our story. And I've also been in other situations where there has been a stranger or a passerby that has actually helped me out from a something that could have been horribly wrong. Yeah. And that's why we were thinking that perhaps this could be a thing. Has someone that you don't know ever been in a in your area or a situation where you found yourself in trouble or in need of help and somebody that you would have never expected came along and helped you with, you know, no, no, what was, what do I want to say? With really no selflessness, no selfish motivation. Yeah. Somebody yeah. just came along and helped you with, <laughs> Listen, tongue. And they... you know, <laughs> if someone has ever come along and helped you without any selfish, <laughs> you say it, <laughs> say it. <laughs> selfish <laughs> they're selfish they're selfish motivation yeah no basically just anybody who came up to you and helped out with any kind of um selfish motivation they just really did it because they were acting like a good samaritan yeah i think the good samaritan award the hero of the week or we'll we'll figure out a name for it but those people deserve a mention and a shout out and that's what we wanted to talk about in our little segment. And I mean, yeah, we do focus on some kind of kooky, creepy things. So to finish off with something kind of on positive light yeah. and light. For sure. So if you guys think of your stories, please let us know. Our email is another true crime podcast at gmail.com. It's pretty simple. And also please rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform and your instagram yeah it only takes two seconds please go leave us a rating and a review we appreciate it and it helps us keep relevant oh my gosh we love going through them too yeah and it helps us uh be more noticeable on the itunes and the search results yeah so that is also a plus and thank you for all those new followers that we've have on instagram that is always awesome to go on there and see more people joining up. And, and totally unexpected. <laughs> yeah, totally unexpected. And more people that want to know about crime and murder and mystery and paranormal and the occult. So, yeah, that is pretty much it for us. And just remember, anything can be used as, as a, a weapon. weapon.